Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Meanerism. Today I'm going to be speaking about my solo backpacking trip, part 2. So yeah, where was I? I was in Vietnam and I had just left Sapa and now I am on my way to Hoi An via Hue. Now, Hoi An is known for its tailoring. I was going to a wedding, so my brother's wedding, in Ibiza, actually, when I got back. So I wanted to get something really like, custom-made and unique. So I got fitted in Hoi An, and I got a dress made for me, a nice little purple one. So that was one of the reasons. But generally, I heard good things about Hoi An. Everyone that I spoke to that had been there on their travels said it was a great place to go so I was definitely up for it and I was like yeah I'm definitely going there so got to Hoi An now I went to Sunflower Hotel and then I met a really great group of people so this is probably now the second group that I met that I had quite a bond with so I think two of the girls were from Germany one girl was actually from London I was like no way that's crazy and another guy was from Alaska and there was another guy actually from Germany so we were all just like drinking and chatting and it just felt like we got along really well so we spent a lot of our time together in Hoi An which was good it's really nice there like it's quite visual so there's quite a lot of like lanterns and the old town is really beautiful and quaint. Like you're not allowed to ride bicycles between certain hours of the day as well. So it is quite empty um, and you can walk around freely um, because in Vietnam there are a lot of bikes. So it is just nice to have that different experience. And I loved it there. I really did. So this is where I went to the beach and people asked for my picture and stuff like that. But generally, everyone was really friendly. Food was really good. Uh, but yeah, generally, Hoi An was great. I stayed there for seven days. And seven days is actually the longest I stayed anywhere. So if you think about it, four months is not that long when I was traveling across all these countries. So seven days is a decent amount of time to spend anywhere. And I also got a month visa, or was it a three-week visa? I think I probably got a three-week visa, you know. So if you're staying over a certain threshold, you have to get a visa. And because I really wanted to explore Vietnam fully, I got that visa. And I'm really glad I did because it definitely was one of my favourite places. Now, I remember this journey to South Thailand was a mission because it was not a recommended route I went that way because I had planned badly like I was caught in the moment I was having a great time and then when I did decide that I wanted to go to South Thailand I realized that I had to go back to Ho Chi Minh and then go to Bangkok and then go to Krabi so that was a 24-hour journey and a part of that was also sleeping in the airport which was not ideal <laughs> but i didn't really have a choice so this is what i wanted to do yeah i wanted to go to denang and then from denang fly to south thailand yeah but that's my simplistic view yeah that was my idealistic route 
that route doesn't exist. Yeah. So when I got there, I was like, oh, pissed. I can't actually do that. Um, so I found an alternative route, which was that I had to go back to Ho Chi Minh and then go to Bangkok. And I slept in the airport, as I mentioned, for nine hours. And I remember just setting my alarm, being like, alarm, don't fail me now. Like, <laughs> you better go off in nine hours, yeah? Because <laughs> if I wake up and I've missed my flight, and this is so uncomfortable, yeah, I'm going to be vexed. I remember I woke up and I took a picture and I had some serious bags by I was like, wow, like, I need to get to my hostel in South Thailand, yeah? Then I got to my hostel and I was absolutely knackered. I remember being so tired. I was emotional. Because sometimes those journeys, they do take it out of you. Even though you don't feel like you're doing much because you're thinking, do you know what? I'm just sitting here and I'm just sitting on a bus or I'm sitting on a plane. I'm not really doing anything, but it does take it out of you. So I got there and then I went to get something to eat. So I had a shower, all of that. I think I had a sleep as well. I was watching um, Daredevil. So I got to the hostel and I was watching Daredevil on my phone and I was like, yes, I'm so happy and comfortable. Then I went to eat. And then I met someone again. So like someone came up to me, he's like, hi, like, he was like, oh, where are you staying? And I'm like, oh, I'm staying over there. And he's like, I'm staying there. I was like, no way. So we ended up just exploring the island together. Like he had a motorbike, which was so convenient. So I used to just jump on the back of that. And then we would go to different places. That was really good. And I was really glad that I met him actually, because... I was getting around and I was seeing things. He was super nice and super kind. Now, he did have a proposition for me, right? So he had booked a hotel in another place. And he initially had booked it with a lady who he, for some reason, fell out with. And then he's like, I've got a spare I don't know, ticket, or you can stay with me. Um, he was like, we're going to stay in separate beds, blah, blah, blah. But I was obviously uncomfortable with that. I was like, I don't know you from anywhere. I'm not feeling you like that. Like, it's not really, you know, really working for me. Like, so I was just being polite. Like, oh, I'll have a think about it. You know, I'll have a think about it. So we went to a place called Koh Lanta, and it was really, really quiet. I was so surprised at how quiet it actually was. Like, there was no people there. And I was just thinking, hmm, okay, like what are we actually going to do here? Koh Lanta is six kilometers wide and 30 kilometers long. It has nine beaches from the north to the south. Okay. So I knew there were things that we could potentially do, but as it stood at the time, it didn't look like there was a lot to do. And I was thinking, okay, what am I supposed to do? Like just me and him for this period of time, because I thought I was going to meet people. So I went to a, we went to a hostel, booked a night, and I went into a different room, and that's where I met two of my friends that I'm still friends with now, and they're Tasmanian, they're a couple, two lovely ladies that I met, and I was just like, you guys are really cool, <laughs> we got along really well, and then I started thinking, do you know what, I want to stay with these guys, they were more my age as well, whereas the guy was like, about, I would say about six, seven years older than me, maybe maybe more. So I, I was thinking, okay, I feel like it's a better idea for me to stay with these ladies instead of staying with this guy. So I told him, I was like, I'm staying, I'm staying with these guys, you know, and like, we're going to go here next. And he was just like, all right, cool. And then he went on his way and I stayed with my friends, right? Then we went to Koh Phi Phi. There was lots of restaurants, lots of bars. We went to Banana Bar. 
you can watch films there as well they have different viewpoints so I went up one of them with a friend that I met out there as well and it looked so beautiful up there you can pretty much just see a lot of the formations of the island and then the sun setting and stuff like that so super beautiful so just going back here i'm just going to quickly quickly rewind to um crabby yeah i forgot to say one time so i was only there for like a day imagine i came ate whatever and there was like this kind of it was kind of like a festival, I don't know, there was lots of people, like a parade, it was more like a parade, and there was lots of people wearing different outfits and different cultural attire and stuff like that, and, and I saw people in blackface, and I was like, oh, I'm very uncomfortable, like, and it was just, it was a weird feeling, because it felt like, it felt like no one would ever see that because there wasn't many black people see what i'm trying to say so i was just a bit like mm, okay noted and then when i went back to my hostel the wi-fi password was big black cock and i was like right this is making me feel extremely uncomfortable and annoyingly i did need the wi-fi so i had to like use that password and it just feels very dehumanizing in a way like it just makes you feel like it's kind of like a made a mockery of do you know what I mean to be black um so I'm not saying that they were racist or anything like that I'm just saying that it seemed a bit dodgy when I first thought about going traveling there were certain things I said I'm not going to do yeah so I'm not going to do any kayaking I'm not going to do any anything crazy I'm not going to do any diving we're going to do any snorkeling. I'm not going to do any of that. I don't know why, but for some reason I was completely against it because I'm very much about like being safe and stuff like that. So I was like, no, I'm doing it. But obviously these people are qualified. This is what they do for a living. This is an experience. So it was a four day course and I thought long and hard about it. And I was like, I really think you should do it. It's, it's an experience. So I actually have a paddy certificate. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's crazy, but uh, yeah, it's a four-day course, and you have to watch videos, you have to do courses, and we were doing this whilst we were, like, kind of still going out in the evenings and stuff like that, and the first training that we did, I really didn't like it, because the guy seemed quite impatient with us, and he wasn't really helpful, so he was talking a lot about decompressing air, so when you go down to a certain depth you have to decompress so that you don't have too much buildup of compressed air in your like ear, ear canal so because it's really painful and your eardrums can burst and like I don't know what else could happen but yeah that could happen so you need to decompress all the time and you like use your nose and like kind of you know when you're on a plane and you get um, your ears pop you know how you stop that from happening it's kind of like the same thing but underwater um, obviously I'm not a professional so if you are going diving please speak to a professional about this process but he was like holding his nose and he was like that's what you have to do like decompress and I'm thinking okay so I just need to hold my nose because I don't know the difference he's not making it clear that you need to also do something else on top of that so I'm going down a certain depth my ears are starting to really hurt and I'm like oh this is like very painful like I can't go any lower because it just feels like my eardrum's gonna burst and then eventually I figured it out myself. So I was thinking, how comes I figured this out myself and you didn't tell me? 
So, anywho, outside of that, they were very good. And I figured it out. And we did four days of learning and diving. And the last trip that we did was the best one by far. So we went into the sea, obviously. And we went down, I think it was 18 meters. Yeah, 18 meters. And it was so good. It was so magical. Like when you go down, you're literally at the seabed, right? So your feet are just like on the seabed and you're just chilling, walking around and you're looking at all these amazing fish and you can look up and you can see like the sky, but through the sea. It's a very strange, like I'm not explaining it well, but it was amazing. It was very, very amazing. And it's just seeing all the fish like submerged around you and you're just there in that environment, like you're part of it all. It was very beautiful. And I was very grateful to have that experience. And I'm happy that I pushed through because there was a time when I was like, I'm actually not doing this anymore. I don't even care about this license because I felt like, or the certificate, because I felt like the instructors weren't taking it seriously. But yeah, when I actually learned how to do it properly, it was really, really good. Would I do it again? I don't know. I really don't know if I'll dive again, you know, because it's kind of crazy. Like you're under the water for how long? Right. So I have been with my two friends for a few days now. We had some good times. We moved to another hostel and they decided that they were going somewhere else now their trip was very different they were going on a much bigger trip than i was so they started in tasmania i think they went to southeast asia first then they went to south america and then they came to europe so when they went to europe i i had been back home for a few weeks and they were like oh yeah we're coming through london like come meet me or meet us and i was like yes so i met them in shoreditch <laughs> And I thought that was so surreal because I was like, how have I come all the way like from Southeast Asia and now I'm meeting you guys again? And I actually did meet them in Tasmania for my 30th because I wanted to do something memorable. So I went to Tasmania by myself and I met my friends there. And then I went to Melbourne after because my dad was out there. So I went to Melbourne and that was a great experience, but I'll probably talk about that another time. I went to Copenhagen, so they were going somewhere else, I was going to Copenhagen, and I think that I was sleeping, and they left me a little note, but we were very emotional to be leaving each other. I went to Copenhagen, I got on the boat, I really just went there because I wanted to go to the full moon party, I heard about it, and it was one of the things that I wanted to say that I'd experienced, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, just felt like I should do it, right? The full moon party wasn't great for me yeah it wasn't great because i felt very detached from the whole experience and there was so much drinking and so much people getting absolutely wasted i felt like a responsible adult i felt like worried about certain people there was a girl who i think she just had underwear on just the bottom and she was just passed out on the beach like, she was walking around and she kind of passed out. She had people around her and stuff. But I was like, this is too wild. This is too crazy. People had, like, a limbo. And then th within the limbo, the limbo was on fire. And people were going underneath it. And I was like, this is 
insane. Like, I'm all like, no, 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 this ain't me. So even before we got there, so me and I met another friend. He came from Kotal, uh, where I did the diving course, and he met me there. But he's staying somewhere else. So we met in my hostel and we had some drinks. And then we went and got some buckets. And I bought a bucket and so did my friend. So I don't know what alcohol was in that bucket. But when I mean to tell you, it was small. And I felt so wasted after a few sips of that bucket. I was not sure what the hell I was drinking. So I was like speaking to my friend. And he was talking to me. And he's like, do you feel okay? And I was like, no, I feel very drunk. And he's like, so do I. And we were both quite concerned. Because we were thinking, nah, this ain't this ain't normal. So he was like, let me go get some water. So we stopped drinking after that. So I think that was another reason why it became so much more apparent how crazy everything was around me. So I was just drinking like a litre and a half of water. He was doing the same thing. We had to flush it out of our system because I don't know what was in that drink. So just be careful. If you're going out there, obviously all the time, wherever you go, just make sure you know where your drink is, what's in your drink, don't buy buckets, in my personal opinion. I don't think it's a good idea. So, yeah, we were there. And then eventually he had to get his boat back to his hostel. And I took my leave then and went back to my hostel. And there was a few people who were still up. The weirdest thing about it is, like, you can literally go back to your hostel at like, 4 in the morning. And there'll be people up. And they're like, oh, do you want to play cards or whatever? And you're like, all right, cool. So I think that's what happened, something like that. And the next day, everyone left. When everyone left, it was like a mass exodus. Everyone left and I was just, it was just me and maybe one other person. And at the time, there was a lot of like power cuts as well. So like, it was like very depressing. It was the first time that I actually missed home and I thought, you know what, I'm lonely and I want to come home now. Even though I knew it was temporary, but I was just thinking there's nothing to do on this island. I'm, I've got no one to talk to, the electricity keeps cutting out on the island, like what am I supposed to do with myself? So I did meet someone on the last night and we were having some drinks and stuff, but yeah, I was ready to leave and I didn't know what else to do because actually I was meeting my mum and my auntie in Singapore, but I had like 10 days between then and now yeah so I was like what do I do I don't know what to do so I went to a travel agent I was like where should I go and a lot of people told me Malaysia was great but one thing that they did say and, and as I said as I said most people that I spoke to were white on my travels and they said that in Malaysia the locals just didn't like treat them kindly or take to them right but I also, at the same time, I was thinking I'm not white, so it might be different for me. Um, and I really wanted to go to Malaysia, so I thought like I shouldn't let someone else's experience deter me from going um, if it's safe and it's fine to do so. So I was like, you know what, book me up. Malaysia was never part of my plan, like it wasn't on my route. But because it was close and because I was super motivated to go there, I booked it and I was so excited. And as soon as I booked it, it reignited my passion for traveling again. I was super excited about where I was going next. And yeah, all of that anticipation, all that jazz. Now I'm in Malaysia and it was great. It took me about seven hours to get there. What I noticed straight away, it's really culturally diverse. So it's known as the cultural melting pot because I went to Kuala Lumpur first. And that's one of the things that I saw multiple times um I went to the Patronus Towers 
which are very iconic. They are beautiful. The architecture really speaks for itself. I loved it. I like the fact that there was different cultures there. So there were Chinese people, there was Indian people, and there's people of all different uh, backgrounds as well. And I felt like I fit in more because I'm a quarter Indian myself. So I didn't, I'm not saying that I looked Indian, Indian, but I just felt like more comfortable and I felt like I just fit in more essentially. So in Kuala Lumpur, all of the trains and everything is just like London, but it's actually, I would say better. And all the shops are like top tier. They have all these fancy like boutique stores. I was like, wow, this is so different. Like from all the other places that I've been to and I could get on the train. I could literally just go to the train station, get on the train. Yeah, so I went to I went to the Sky Bar and it's really nice because you can see the Petronas Towers at night. And I went during the day, so you can just see the gradual change from all the lights being off to all the lights being on with the backdrop of the night sky. So that was awesome. And I went there by myself and I had a little beer. And yeah, by this time, by this point, the beer was really... <laughs> The beer was really adding up, you know, my belly was looking quite big at this point. Like, I was like, okay, I really need to sort this out because, as I mentioned, I was going to Ibiza when I got back, so, for the wedding, and I was like, you need to get your belly in check, like, seriously, sort your shit out. Um, yeah, so I did start doing that, I did start cutting down on beer, and, um, yeah, that's, that's the best I did, actually, but, so, from Kuala Lumpur, I went to Langkawi. It was beautiful there, but there wasn't much to do. So I'm going to move on. Then I went to Penang. Now Penang is also known as Georgetown. And this was one of my favorite places as well. It was so nice. I loved it there. They have all this graffiti as well that you can go and check out and take pictures with. So it's quite scenic. Obviously at the time I was proper on Instagram. So I was thinking, yeah, let me take some pictures and, you know, post them for the gram. And that was nice. I also met two ladies out there that I got quite close to and they were really nice. And they both were non-meat eaters. Now, at the time, I used to eat meat. And I actually stopped eating meat as a result of going travelling. And I will detail that in depth in a separate episode. But... At the time, I was like, oh, gosh, these women don't eat meat. and know they're going to try and say something to me. I'm not here for it. I don't want to hear it. Um, and I'll be honest, that was how I was thinking at the time. And they weren't even like that. But, yeah, one of them was a vegan and one of them was a vegetarian. And I tried to not eat meat for a day. And then, yeah, I just ended up sticking. But in Malaysia... You can get a lot of vegetarian food, like, easily, and it'll be so flavourful, and I liked it, and I didn't need the meat, like, when I was eating there, I was like, you actually don't need it, um, so yeah, Penang was great, I loved it there, went out a few nights, met some cool people, then I went to Cameroon Highlands, or Islands, Highlands, I went to Cameroon Highlands, and this is the land of tea plantations, greenery, and hikes. This is what I said when I wrote it down. Oh yeah, there wasn't that much to do there, but the people did like me though. 
I remember there being a group of guys that worked on the strip where all the food was. So there was just this one area where you could go and it was like restaurant after restaurant after restaurant that like you could get your food from there. And there was an Indian restaurant there. And every time I went by, they were like, Indian, you Indian, <laughs> you are Indian. I was like, yeah, like you're not wrong. Like there's Indian in me for real. And yeah, they were just really friendly and it was just nice to have someone to talk to because when I left Georgetown, I went by myself and my other friends said they were going to come meet me. The two ladies that I met out there, they said they're going to meet me in Camarina Highlands, but I wasn't sure. So I was just like, oh, okay, let me just make friends and stuff. But they did come and that was lovely. And I just made some really good connections out there, man, because them ladies were very cute as well. Like they were so nice. So yeah, this by this point, I I think I had run out of time because I was going to Singapore. So I got on a bus and I went to Singapore. I was super excited, obviously, because I'm going to see my mom. So I was like, yay! And it'd be a few months. So yeah, that was really nice. And then my auntie was there as well. So just really, really lovely. And they stayed at a really nice hotel. So the, and most of the time I'm staying at hostels, yeah. But this time I was staying at a nice hotel with like a warm, hot shower with all the facilities and more. They had a gym. This is when I started thinking, all right, I do actually need to sort out this kind of pouch that I've been acquiring. Uh, so I need to go to that gym, yeah. So I started doing runs and all of that. And it was, yeah, I was feeling it. But... We had a great time. We went to the bougie places. We went to the cost-effective places. Uh, the first place we went to was like a night, really nice restaurant. And it was like the first time I tried truffle oil. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love it. And I still love it to this day. So I'm really grateful. That, I'm really grateful that I found truffle oil. <laughs> that was not my highlight, but it definitely was something that I really am grateful for. Singapore is very expensive. And it's also known as like the fine city. I'm doing this in quotations, like the fine city. Um, as you can get fined for so many things like jaywalking, dropping litter or cigarettes, smoking cigarettes where you're not allowed to, like literally you can get fined. And I actually didn't know what jaywalking was. I've never heard of that before when I, <laughs> when I was in Singapore. I was like, what is jaywalking? Um, so I had to look it up. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So jaywalking is basically when you cross the road without there being lights. So if, you, if you're just crossing the road all willy-nilly, that you're jaywalking, which I had never heard of. So yeah, that was a thing. So I became much more cautious about that. We also went to the Orchid Gardens, which was really beautiful. And you can go to the Botanical Gardens from there. The Botanical Gardens and the Orchid Gardens are a UNESCO world heritage site so it was very beautiful we went to chinatown as well you can i actually got my um kimono out there so there's lots of marketplaces out there and i got this kimono and i still have it now and it's really cute and whatever what else did i buy i just bought lots of lots of little trinkets and stuff for my family and friends because I, I started to realize that like i'm coming home soon so I was thinking, like, let me just get presents because if I give them to my mum, then like, my mum and my auntie can take them back to London and then I can take my stuff, whatever I had with me, on the rest of the journey. So I also went to Little India, which was nice because you can also get different things there and they have lots of jewellery, uh, which was 
quite pretty, but obviously I'm not, I wasn't there for that, but it was 24 karat gold. So I think you could get it for a very competitive price if you wanted to get it. So yeah, that was another place that we went to. We also went to Gardens by the Bay. So see there's Marina Bay, which is very, very famous. Um, I'm sure lots of people know Marina Bay, but yeah, we went to Gardens by the Bay. Wow, I just read something here. It says, Marina Bay Sands is an integrated resort fronting Marina Bay in Singapore. Prior to its opening in 2010, it was billed as the world's most expensive standalone casino property at $8 billion, including the land costs. It is an integral part of Singapore's skyline. I think one of the last places we went to in uh, Singapore was a place called Raffles, and they have this drink called a Singapore Sling which is iconic, darling. It's very, very, very special, you know. Um, I'm not sure why, but it is very nice. And something that you can do in there is that you can you can buy nuts, yeah? you can buy monkey nuts, and then you can just throw the shells on the floor. I don't know why, but it is something that you can do there. It's quite a novelty that people do it. I don't know why, but I felt like I wanted to be part of it. It's like a sense of liberation. <laughs> so you can let it to your heart's desire if you want to inside so yeah I actually wanted to pick it up in the end I'll put it down and then I'll be like mm. so the last place so after that I came to Bali so this is where my other friend came and met me so she's from London as well and she met me in Bali which was awesome so she's quite adventurous like I am and she was like what are we gonna do we've got all these amazing plans like we'll go trekking we'll do this we'll do that but also wanted to make sure that we had time to chill when we wanted to. So we met up in Semenyak, which was really nice. Um, I was actually staying at this hostel. And this hostel had about, I'm not joking, a hundred people in one big space. But you get to have your own little pod, as it were. So you can literally put all your stuff inside this pod and you sleep in that pod as well. And that's how that hostel operated so I told my friend in advance I was like we can go somewhere else but this is where I'm staying at the moment are you okay with it and she was like yeah it's fine so she ended up staying there as well and then we went to a place called Potato Head Beach Club which was amazing because they had an infinity pool they had amazing drinks we were drinking cocktails we were enjoying ourselves because by this point I'm like look let me just enjoy myself and have the drinks have all the cocktails do what I need to do like and it was great. We also went to an island called Giliti. So there's three main islands in that area. There's Giliti, Gilimino and Gili Air. So Giliti is more of a party island apparently. Gilimino is the couple's island and then Gili Air is like the chilled one. So we ended up going to Giliti first. We got some bikes. So I don't cycle a lot. If, if at all to be honest with you but I do know how to cycle but I just don't cycle in London but I was willing to try so my friend was like let's get some bikes and then we can cycle around the island so we did a bit of that and that was really fun we also did paddle boarding and I had no idea what I was doing I've written here that we were like baby lambs when we first started which is going to do but as soon as we got a handle on it we were actually very good. We were both quite strong at it. And we ended up going from one island to another on the paddle boards for the first time. So I was quite impressed about that. It took us 30 minutes en route and 20 minutes back. So 
that was good. We were very active, actually. One thing I did notice is that we did a lot of things, did a lot of activities. Um, we went out and we ate nice food. Then we went to a place called Ubud, or Ubud. Might be saying it wrong. And it had been mentioned by quite a few people that you should go there. It, so we were like, yeah, we're going. It's not massive, but it has really, really good energy. They also have a monkey forest that has over 80 monkeys. Now, to be honest, I was actually quite scared to go. I remember like, I didn't want to go there because when I first got to Thailand, so when I first got to Southeast Asia, the first place I went to was a little like temple and it was en route to Chiang Mai. I got off and went to the temple and there was monkeys everywhere. And I was thinking, oh, you know what, it's fine. You know, I've got my backpack and I just, I'll just walk around for a few minutes and I'll be far away from the monkeys, right? So I got a bit too close to one and I got a bit excited with my phone. So I got closer and closer and closer. <laughs> and the monkey just jumped on my head and I started screaming. Now imagine I have my backpack on there. My backpack is heavy. It's like 11 kg. So I'm like, oh my gosh, my backpack. Oh shit, the monkey. But the monkey must have been on and off my head quickly, but I just felt like it was still on my head. And I felt so embarrassed, like, <laughs> I looked around and people looking at me, I was like, oh my gosh. And I thought, if this monkey scratched me, I'm going to have to go to hospital because you can get rabies from the monkeys. So I was like, shit, has it scratched me? Has it scratched me? I've just got here. Like, but yeah, so when we were in Ubud and my friend was like, I'm going to go to the monkey forest, I was like, okay, go on then. <laughs> so I'm not going to move you. Um, but then at the end, in the last minute, I thought, you know, I feel a bit bad and it's a new experience. So we ended up going together. The last place that we went to together was a trek. So it's called Mount Berta. It's a volcano hike. It starts at 2 a.m. So it's very, very early. And it's 1,717 meters high. And it took us three and a half hours. So me and my far self, I had been up that night. I met a friend out there and we were going for drinks and we were chatting and stuff and I didn't go to sleep. So I was chatting to him and then I was like, all right, I'm going to get ready now. So I got ready. And I went on this trek at 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, it's crazy, but I did that. So I was not ready for it. I was not prepared for how difficult it would be. It was such a struggle. Like, the guides are so well adapted to the volcano hike that they would just got really quick. And they'll be jumping, jumping, jumping. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I'm going to go slowly. So, yeah, I was, like, trying my best to keep up essentially it was really hard and when we got to the top and the reason why it's at 2am is because when you get to the top the sun rises and it is the most beautiful thing I cannot even put it into words I do not think I'll do it justice to be honest but being up at such a high altitude and seeing the sun rise and it just comes up it looks amazing spectacular fantastic it is a real sight to behold and we were just really grateful to to be there so we did that and then we got back down and we went to hot springs afterwards because we were like we deserve it you know we put in the work now it's time to relax you know my friend went back to london after this point and my friend that i met in lao told me about this place called a silent retreat which she did for three days so she absolutely loved it and 
as you can tell, I talk a lot and I was thinking, hmm, can I not talk for three whole days? So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm down. Let's go. So I went to Penable because by this point, my trip was nearly over. So I was like, let me do this experience. And it was really nice there because they do a lot of like yoga and meditation and the food was amazing. Yeah, I stayed there and I, it just gave me a real sense of self. Like I felt very content. I felt very at peace within myself. It gave me time to really recalibrate and to understand that I'm coming home soon. Like I was like, you're going back to London soon. I had one more small trip to do before I went back to London. So when I first booked my flight from London, I booked from London to Bangkok and then I booked from Jakarta to London. And the reason that I went to Jakarta or had booked from Jakarta to London is because I had a friend that I used to work with in London who moved to Jakarta. And I always said to her, if I do go traveling, I'm definitely going to come to Jakarta and see you. And she was like, yeah, yeah, definitely do it. And I was like, seriously, I'm being serious. I'm going to do it. And I did. So I went to Jakarta and she was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad you're here. And she took me around and we went to this really nice restaurant and we were catching up and we took some pictures and stuff. Yeah, it was really lovely. And I ended up going home. Um, but just to go back a little bit. So in Bali, I remember it was the last night and that was like the last official kind of part of my trip because it was like, I was backpacking. Um, I was watching the sunset and it was such a beautiful sunset. It was like so spectacular. It looked like it was just there for me. It's like, it knew it was my last night traveling. And I remember putting up on Instagram being like, this is my last full proper, like traveling experience night and I'm really grateful that I had this experience thank you Southeast Asia this has been epic and it was that kind of like closure that I needed but at the same time I really really wasn't ready to stop traveling like, I could have traveled for probably another four months if I'm being totally honest like I could have went to South America or continue to travel through Southeast Asia but yeah I felt like there was so much more that I wanted to to uncover but you know life be life in and I had to go home so I was like right this is my trip I went to Jakarta and then I flew home I flew home and it was such a surreal experience like I got home I got to the airport and my dad came and picked me up and he was like you right and I was like yeah you right <laughs> and we were just so cash like I hadn't just been traveling in Southeast Asia for four months and I took a little picture and then I've got that picture now and I was just really happy to be back with my family, be back with my friends, you know, go out again and do all the things that I used to do before. But I definitely felt like I had changed as a person after that. After that trip, it really did change me. And it just showed me how adaptable I can be and how resilient I can be and resourceful. And I can be very independent. I'm not a spouse-dependent person. I'm not codependent in in my entirety. There are parts of me that are very autonomous and I can handle a lot of things and that journey further instilled that in me thank you for listening thank you for taking the time if you have any questions about my southeast asia trip or would like any advice or tips that i can help with i would be more than happy to accommodate and i'll speak to you soon bye